Hard to believe it's 2020. Some of you aren't as old as I am, but I grew up watching like cartoons like the Jetsons, okay? I had like flying cars and stuff, and I thought we would like be there in 2020, didn't you? I, I thought we might be there, but we're not quite yet. Uh, but we're here uh, by God's divine appointment and assignment. This is the season that he has set for us, and it is an exciting time to begin a new year, to begin a new decade in our lives personally and the life of of our church, and I really can't think of a a better way for us to start a new year, to start a new decade, uh, than to focus together on prayer, and that's what we want to do over these uh, opening weeks uh, of a new decade, uh, to to focus together uh, on prayer. And there's a couple ways we want to to do that. Uh, In just a moment, I want to begin a a teaching series on learning to pray uh, like Jesus. Brian mentioned that just a moment ago, Uh, but we want to kind of make this something that uh, this not just a Sunday thing, but something continues to to kind of go and grow with us. Uh, So in the lobbies, if you didn't uh, see them on the way in, uh, we we have a a short uh, book, Prayer with No Intermission by Bill Elif. It's just uh, 40 uh, 40 days of unceasing prayer, just 40 short readings uh, and a little prayer prompt along the way. And we just want to encourage you, pick up for you, for your household, take that, work through that, kind of at your own pace. We're not necessarily going to say everybody needs to be on day one, this day. Uh, if you're 40 days straight, go 40 days straight. If you'd rather do five days over eight weeks, or you know, however it works for you. Uh, but we want you to pick up a copy uh, because we, we, we really, we learn to pray by praying uh, and being guided uh, along the way and having some prompts help along the way. So I encourage you, pick that up, uh, put it to use, uh, see what God might do uh, along the way in that. Uh, the other thing we want to do is come alongside uh, this a teaching series. And to do that, I want to start by taking you to a hospital room. Because there's a lot of prayers that get offered in hospital rooms, right? Sometimes some very desperate prayers. I've read about a, a young nurse who was attending to a patient and a family. This was a, a grandmother of the, the family, a faithful grandmother. She was dying of cancer. And for many days, her family had gathered around her hospital bed to encourage her, to remember better times, to pray. And this young nurse who was a follower of Jesus Christ was so taken by their tender care of the family that she actually asked at some point along the way, could I join you in praying? And, and of course, without hesitation, they included her. Uh, but as she kind of began to listen to their prayers She was confused and concerned. The family called out in faith for healing. They told God they had no doubt that he who created the entire universe could recreate health in the body of their loved one. Occasionally, a family member would remind God that he had promised in the Bible that if we ask him anything with sufficient faith, we will receive our request. The family called on God to be faithful to his promises by healing the cancer, and they assured this young nurse, God's going to heal her. The nurse wondered to herself if it was right to demand that God do what human wisdom had determined was best. But the family's prayers seemed so sincere, and their faith seemed so bold and strong, she was afraid to even ask a question. Jesus does say in the Bible, after all, that if we believe and ask anything in his name, he'll answer. And maybe the family knew something she didn't know. 
Maybe it was right to pray the way they did. But in her heart, she kind of wondered, how else could anyone pray and still show trust in God's promises? One day, she was finishing her nursing rounds. The cancer had completed its course. She walked into the hospital room shortly after the suffering woman had died, and the family was still in the room. And the young nurse who had felt such a connection to this family asked if she could pray with them one more time. She was not prepared for the response. With a steely voice full of new bitterness, the woman's husband replied, God says to pray and he will answer. We did and he did not. We're done with that. Now, something in us kind of knows he was wrong, but wasn't he right? I mean, didn't he have a right to be disappointed with God or at least disappointed in prayer? I mean, if the Bible promises God's going to answer our prayer and does not, then something must be wrong, right? Can we really trust that God listens and responds to our specific request? Or do we have to spiritualize God's promises into some general principles about his eternal providence? Is it right to pray about our daily concerns? Or are we imposing on an infinite God when we ask for his intimate care? How does Jesus really want us to pray? And that's what we want to ask in this series. Jesus, how do you want us to pray? But we're not the first ones to ask that question. His disciples, these hand-picked group of 12, when they walked with him, they heard him teach, they saw him perform miracles. Some of them even had first-hand exposure to his transfiguration, but they were so marveled at his prayer uh, that they finally came to him, uh, at least on one occasion, the Gospels record for us in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, which is going to be our starting place for the series. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And that really is what we're going to ask humbly and yet expectantly God to do. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Jesus, would you teach us how to pray. And whether you've been praying all of your life, whether you have tried praying and given up on prayer or found your life too busy for prayer or whether you think you're a, a prayer warrior of sorts and really believe in prayer, wherever today finds you, I'm just going to invite you into a journey, a journey that says, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? So the goal of this series is very, very simple, that we, like the disciples, would learn how to pray from Jesus so that we could pray more like Jesus. We want to learn how to pray from Jesus, how to pray more like Jesus. And kind of a, a thought to, to, to set the, the tone for the series, learning to pray like Jesus is not about a specific verbal formula. So I'm not going to say, well, if you use these words or this phrasing or you're in this uh, posture of your physical body or whatever it may be. No, it is more about the motives or the posture of our heart. That, that that's what we learn 
from Jesus. And so where I want to start may seem like a little bit of a strange place. I actually want to start at the end. I want to start where most of us finish our prayers. My guess is many of you, when you pray, somebody told you or taught you or modeled for you and you just kind of picked it up subconsciously along the way, uh, that the kind of the way you close your prayer is in Jesus' name, right? That's how we end our prayer, in Jesus' name. But why do we do that? Hey, I mean, why do we pray in Jesus' name? Is that like, well, I, I'm not sure how to land the plane, you know, we've been kind of praying over all these things, and so that's kind of like, okay, I'm ready to put it on the runway here, in Jesus' name, right? Or maybe it's kind of the, the spiritual way to sign off, uh, kind of like over and out, right? Or at least it sounds more spiritual than bye-bye for now or something, right? And so we go, in Jesus' name, right? But is that really what it means to pray in Jesus' name? So I want us to look this morning at why do we pray in Jesus' name real quickly, and then what does it really mean to pray in Jesus' name? Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Well, perhaps a lot of reasons. We've been taught. We've been modeled. Some folks even get upset if you have the audacity to end your prayer and don't say in Jesus' name, right? But I think there's a far, far better reason, and that is because Jesus says we should. Because Jesus actually invites us to, encourages us to pray in his name. We give lots of examples. Let me just give you a couple from John's gospel. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he's right at front, said, ask in my name. Later in John's gospel, he's speaking to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because he invites us to. He commands us to. He encourages us to. That there's this incredible privilege of praying in Jesus' name. But what exactly does that mean after all? I mean, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Is it kind of like the, uh, the abracadabra, you know, or open sesame that uh, you know, opens up the, the, the secret vault or whatever it might be? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, let me just share with you three thoughts that have been stretching me, and and I hope will stretch you as well. It means, first of all, to pray in Jesus' name that I am claiming Christ's merit more than my own. That I am claiming Christ's merit more than my own. Look what Hebrews teaches. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance 
of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Uh, this picture that, why am I able to come? Why am I able even to approach uh, God's throne? Why am I able to enter in to the presence of the one who is absolutely holy? It is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Praying in Jesus' name is first and foremost a confession of our unworthiness. I could not approach God in my name alone. There's nothing that I can do that would earn access to God, that would earn the right for God to give attention to the cries of my heart. But in my rebellion and my sin against God, there's no amount of good deeds that I can accumulate this year that would make me worthy to come into his presence. Praying in Jesus' name is a recognition, a confession of our unworthiness, but it's also a proclamation of Jesus' worthiness. <laughs> Jesus was worthy, the one who came from the presence of the Father, who came and, and lived and died, and it was buried and resurrected. This one is worthy, and, and he has given to us uh, that, that worth. He has transferred that to us through faith. Let's look at a couple scriptures, Ephesians 1. In Him, in a relationship with Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Corinthians, Paul summed up uh, the, the mission of Jesus, if you will. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Hear me at the very first of a brand new year, a brand new decade. The greatest need in my life and yours is forgiveness, is restoration, is, is a healing of this broken relationship with God. And that doesn't come by religiosity. It doesn't come by uh, deciding to have a New Year's resolution to be more moral this year or nicer or kinder or whatever it is. It can only come when we recognize our unworthiness, that I have sinned. I've chosen my way instead of God's way. And I have turned uh, away from him. And that Jesus Christ came to live the life I should have lived, died the death I deserved to die, was buried, was resurrected, and is coming again someday. And he is worthy. And, and he gives to me. He took my punishment so that he could offer to me his righteousness. And because of that, in faith, in faith, in trusting in his provision, I can be reconciled to a holy God. And as a part of that reconciliation, I have now access to God. I have the capacity to be able to pour out my heart to him, to cry out to him, to be directed by him. But coming in, in Jesus' name is a recognition that I come in Christ's merit 
more than my own. It is a confession of my unworthiness, a proclamation of Jesus' worthiness, but it's also an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement of what Jesus is doing right now. When I come in Jesus' name, it's a recognition not just of what Jesus has done of the cross and the resurrection, but what he is doing right now. And what is it that he's doing right now? Romans tells us this. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God doing what? Who indeed is interceding for us. When I come in Jesus' name, I I come acknowledging what Jesus is doing right now. Hebrews 7, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. When I, when I come in Jesus' name, I, I'm claiming Christ's merit more than my own because I recognize my unworthiness. I recognize his worthiness. But I recognize the fact that I, I pray imperfectly. I, I don't always get it right. Sometimes I'm selfish and short-sighted and all of those things. But I come in the name of the one who right here, right now, even as you and I are in this room, is at the right hand of the Father crying out, intercede praying for us. It's an acknowledgement of what Jesus is doing right now, but coming in Jesus' name and claiming Christ's merit more than my own is also a recognition of the limits of our wisdom, of the limits of our wisdom. I have a lot of opinions, and you do too, right? (laughs) We have a lot of thoughts and ideas, But what I have come increasingly to recognize is, oh, I need wisdom. I I need a wisdom greater than my own. And that's what God offers to us as we come in Jesus' name. Because not only is, is is Jesus Christ interceding, but likewise, he says, the Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever had that? We really don't know how to pray. Or sometimes when we're sure we know how to pray, we're actually praying amiss. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, this is, this is so freeing to, to know I'm coming. And as I come in the name of Jesus, I'm claiming Christ's merit more than my own. I, I recognize my unworthiness, his worthiness. I recognize what Christ is doing right now. I, I have a recognition of the limits of my wisdom. I don't even know how to pray at times. I certainly don't know how to pray perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. But there is one who does. And that spirit is interceding for you and I. That spirit who has sealed you, who is within you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I come today in Jesus' name because I am looking to, I am leaning on, I am depending on, I am claiming Christ's merit more than my own. 
Oh, there's a lot of times where, where I don't know about you, but you look back over the years of your life and you realize, God, thank you that I didn't get what I thought I wanted back then. <laughs> thank you that you didn't give me what I was asking for then <laughs> because I don't want it now. I don't want it. The Spirit intercedes with wisdom when we don't know how to pray. We come claiming Christ's merit more than my own. But we also come seeking Christ's purposes more than my own. To pray in Jesus' name means I am seeking the purposes of Christ Jesus more than my own. This is what Jesus taught and actually what he modeled. It is teaching Matthew 6, there in that model prayer, the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to get into much more detail in this in the weeks ahead because we're just going to pick up on the, the teaching of Jesus as we ask him to show, teach us how to pray and look at that model prayer, that disciples' prayer uh, that he gave to us. But just note uh, this morning uh, that it involves seeking Christ's purpose more than my own. Not only did Jesus teach that, but look how he modeled that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke 22 as he's crying out there, that, that anguished prayer, as he recognized certainly the physical suffering that's just ahead, but far worse than that, being the, the one who is going to absorb the full righteous wrath of sin, of a holy God against sin, is going to be poured out fully upon Jesus. And he cries out in his agony, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think this teaches us something about praying we've looked at before. Ask boldly, but surrender completely. Ask boldly. The bold promises of God are there. It encourages us. Ask boldly. Pour out your heart. Let God know what is, what is weighing heavy on you. Pull out and pour out your desires, your fears, your wants, your needs, your hopes, your dreams, all of those things. Pour those out before God. Be honest. He already knows anyway, right? Ask boldly. But coming in Jesus' name means I not only have the privilege of asking boldly, but I have the wisdom to surrender completely. To surrender completely. Because in the end, I really want what he wants more than what I want. Or said another way, when I trust in God's wisdom, love, and power, I want his will more than my own. Now think about that for a moment. Because that may be stretching. Because sometimes we think prayer is about, if I do it right, I get what I want. <laughs> but when I fully trust God's wisdom, God's love, and God's power, I'm going to want what he wants more than what I want. Sometimes I say it this way, if I knew what he knew, if I knew what he knows, I would want what he wants, right? When you and I trust in God's wisdom, love, and power, we're going to want His will more than our own. Because we know, we know He knows more than we do. We know the love that is behind that. It has been, been 
declared through the cross of Jesus Christ that he is absolutely for us. And so ask boldly, but surrender completely. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Can I also add in pray? And whatever I could ask, whatever I could think, whatever I could ask for in prayer, he is able to do far more abundantly according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the God that we have access to. This is the God who Christ Jesus has allowed us to be in the presence of, who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. How will he not, along with him, withhold anything that we need? He is going to respond to us out of his love, out of his wisdom, out of his power. And he is able to do far more abundantly than anything you and I could pray for. Anything you and I could ask for or to think about. And when I trust in his love and wisdom and power, I am going to want his will more than my own will. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I claim Christ's merit more than my own. I seek God's purposes more than my own. But this verse also kind of gives us a clue to the third part of praying in Jesus' name, and that is loving Christ's glory more than my own. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's been said in some sense, one of the the very essence of sin is we're glory thieves. We seek our glory uh, more than his glory. We seek our will uh, more than his will. We we seek our comfort, our preferences, uh, our understanding of the world and how it should revolve around us. We tend to be glory thieves. And praying in Jesus' names means I love Christ's glory more than my own. And that's actually what the Holy Spirit's up to in the world today, isn't he? Look what Jesus told John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, this Holy Spirit whom he has sealed us with, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. And he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so Paul, understanding what the Spirit is about, understanding what we are to be about, says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and prayer would certainly be included in that, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Coming in Jesus' names means I I am loving Christ's glory more than my own. You think about the story and history as it's unfolding, and we get glimpses of where it is headed in Revelation 5. You see this this picture around the, the throne. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him, 
who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That, that, that is going to be the, the beat of our heart throughout all eternity, that we will love Christ's glory more than our own. Perhaps the psalmist said it most succinctly, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And that we come seeking, loving, desiring His glory more than our own. But just see, here's the thing. What we hopefully come to realize this side of eternity is that the more that we seek His glory, uh, the, the more aligned we're going to be with His will and way, the more blessed we'll be. Said another way, when Christ is most honored, I am most blessed. When Christ is most honored, I am most blessed. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying when he's most honored, that means I get a bigger house, a newer car, fancier vacations, a hundred years of perfect health. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that when Christ is most honored, when I love Christ's glory more than my own, I am most blessed. When he is at the center where he belongs, where he is, is the, the, the one who is recognized as worthy, he is the one who is glorified. When he is most honored, I am most blessed. I started off in a hospital room. I want to take you to one other hospital room this morning. Prayers being offered, but a very, very different perspective. This is a story that Brian Chappelle shared about a, a friend of his named Eric. Let me just read to you some of Brian's words. One day, not too long ago, I went to the hospital to visit my friend Eric, who was dying of a brain tumor. Months of fighting the cancer with chemo and prayer had seemed futile. I came to encourage Eric and had no idea how powerful his ministry would be to me. In that yellow-tiled room lined with monitors and tubes that measured and maintained his life, Eric showed me the treasures of an eternal life that was his greater reality and glory. I did not know how rough this beloved teacher's day had been until I entered his room. His head was hurting so much that he was dizzy with pain. He grimaced when he smiled to greet me, and we said little as I put a hand on his shoulder. His wife smiled gratefully and rose to let me have her seat beside the bed. Seeing her vibrant, always exuberant husband in so much pain had been hard on her that day. She went into the hallway to cry, to let go of that brave face that she usually kept in place for him. Eric spoke earnestly in the few minutes that she was gone. Brian, he said, please help my family not to hurt too much. I feel sorry for all of you. I will see Jesus soon, but you have to wait. I just pray that I can glorify the Lord through this. I continue to marvel at this faith in God's eternal provision, and I continue to seek the depth of faith evident in Eric's prayer. In the midst of great suffering, he offered a simple petition, in my life, Lord, be glorified. Of course, Eric desired the return of his physical health. Without question, he ached about the future of his young family. Eric put it all before the Lord in prayer, but Eric also ended his prayers in Jesus' name. 
That means that this faithful believer's greatest desire was to have his life, and if necessary, his death, honor the name of his Savior. Now, I would not pretend to tell you that I know why Eric's dying rather than his living was more glorifying to God. Part of my heart still struggles to make sense of the loss of my friend. Yet this courageous man helped me to see and wanted the world to know that the God who loves us enough to sacrifice his own son for us desired only the best for Eric, his family, and all the world that was touched by his life, Romans 8.32. Eric was suffering in a fallen world where such experiences are common. Yet he had hope in a better world that many have yet to claim. If God could use Eric's faith in a time of suffering to display to many, including you and I hearing this story, the reality and the security of that better world, then Eric was most blessed, fulfilled in his greatest desire because of the wonders of his Lord's eternal provisions. Eric knew that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, Romans 8, 18. God was revealing his glory in Eric, and that was precisely Eric's desire. Eric taught us all to pray, God, you know my needs and my wants. They are plain to you, and I ask you to provide for them. But Lord, I love you so much that this is my ultimate prayer. Let my life be used to show the greatness and goodness of my God and his eternal love no matter what I face. Above all, I pray for the glory of Jesus' name. This is the essence and the beauty of praying in Jesus' name. In the strength that many of us have taken from Eric's example, I know that his prayer to glorify God has been answered. Still, it would be cruel and deceptive for any of us this side of heaven to give precise reasons for God's acts. His wisdom is far above ours and his plans beyond our fathoming. Yet if the attitude undergirding every prayer is for the name of our God to be glorified, we need not doubt that he will answer according to his perfect will. And what more could we ask or desire than that God's will be fulfilled? The will of the one who loved us so much that he gave us Jesus. When he gives us his best, we are indeed most blessed. Were it not for the witness of the cross, this trust in our God's intimate affection and ultimate purposes could seem to be empty fantasizing in the face of difficulties that baffle and buffet. Yet our trust in God is based not on our circumstances, but on his character. God's display of his infinite love and the sacrifice of his son assures us of his sovereign and eternal care. Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection prove God's purposes are not thwarted by pain and his affection is not exhausted by our experiences on this earth. The fulfillment of the will of such a God is always the greatest desire of those who know how infinite and wise is his love. Lord, teach us to pray in Jesus' name. A couple of concluding thoughts. Learning to pray like Jesus is not about a specific verbal formula. Don't hear that today. But it's more about the motives and the posture of our heart. Are we claiming Christ's merit more than our own? Are we seeking Christ's purposes more than our own? 
Are we loving Christ's glory more than our own? Secondly, praying in Jesus' name is not another thing that I have to get right so that my prayers will be perfect. Please hear this. This is so important. Praying in Jesus' name is one more gift of a gracious God because I and my prayers are so imperfect. Because I and my prayers are so imperfect, I need the graceful provision of God to be able to pray in Jesus' name. It's not something I have to like get the wording just so right so my prayers will be perfect. It's a recognition that I and my prayers are imperfect. But I pray not in my name, but I pray in the name of Jesus, claiming Christ's merit more than my own. <laughs> Seeking, savoring, following Christ's will more than my own, and loving Christ's glory more than my own. And God has given us this gracious gift because we and our prayers are so imperfect. And so I invite you on a journey to begin the brand new year, to begin a new decade, a journey that simply says, Lord, teach us to pray. And let's begin where we usually end. Teach us to pray in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me right now, please? Oh, Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We, we come to you because you have made it possible for us to approach the throne of grace in that great and glorious name. And so, Father, today, we ask you, we need you to teach us how to pray. Focus our hearts on the priorities of our Savior, whom you have provided so graciously out of your great, great love. And Lord, at the beginning of this journey, we invite you to do in us and through us whatever will bring the most glory to Jesus Christ. And so, Father, over these days and weeks that are ahead, we will pour out perhaps countless petitions to you. But with each petition, we want to offer it, claiming Christ's merit more than our own, seeking Christ's purposes more than our own, and loving Christ's glory more than our own. By the power and the wisdom of your Holy Spirit, transform our request into instruments for accomplishing your will to have Christ honored everywhere, especially and beginning in our hearts. And Father, would you graciously do an extraordinary work in us wherever this day finds us so that more and more our greatest desire, our highest joy, and our deepest fulfillment becomes the glory of Jesus Christ. For when he is most honored, we are most blessed. 
And I'm just going to invite you to be still in his presence for just a few moments more.